0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Let's dive right into it in regard to uh, the latest with uh, with Kyrie Irving. And the latest is that he is opting in uh, to his $36.9 million deal for the 20, uh, 2023 season. And um, and so what does that mean? <laughs> That's really the big question mark here because uh, everything that, that – we have heard up until about 30 minutes ago, if not 15 minutes ago, is that we know that Kyrie and his camp were asking for per- permission to search for a, p- a potential sign-in trade or opt-in trade deal. Um, now, there were a number of teams he listed, as we know, on draft night. Kyrie listed the six teams that he was interested in att- in going to. And since then... The Mavs have said no, the Clippers said no, the 76ers, awkward with Harden there, that's for sure. Um, the two remaining teams that could have made sense was the Lakers and the Heat, um, but really it came down, especially today, we were hearing a lot about the Lakers, of course Kyrie reuniting with LeBron, uh, and and how was that going to happen? Because the only way, you know, a sign and trade would not work out because of how how cap strapped the lakers are so the only way it could have happened with the lakers and and again this is just me following everything from bobby marks and uh and woge and uh and Brian and and everybody reporting all over espn today and i know it's been all over the place um the only way that I, my understanding that he could have gone to the lakers is if he opted out which means he would have left the 36 point Whatever million dollars on the table, and then sign with the Lakers for six million dollars. Why are you going to do that? I mean, is is it is it is it <laughs> is it that bad being here in Brooklyn to leave that much money on the table to opt out to go play with LeBron James in uh, in LA with the Lakers? Um, so and and you know reports are in regard to possibly trading Westbrook for Kyrie. No, uh, you know reports where the Nets were not interested in that. Could Anthony Davis? be of some interest, well, uh, you know, dude's often injured. Yeah, he averages 23 points, nine rebounds, three assists, but nonetheless, so where do we stand right now? And, and I'm just, I'm reading this from, uh, because Bobby Marks to me is one of the best in the business. We have him on, on the show quite often. Um, so by, by Kyrie opting in, okay, uh, this is what Bobby is saying. He's saying that Kyrie is eligible to sign an extension up until June 30th with Brooklyn or enter the 2023 as an unrestricted free agent by opting in, he's eligible to be traded to any of the 29 teams and the hard cap restrictions does not apply. So, you know, you know, I I think a lot of us are are sitting here anticipating um, and, and I'm texting Bobby Marks. Oh, this is great. Bobby said that he could join us now. gentlemen, um, by the way, we've got Tom and Jacob who are who are producing the show. Guys, do you have Bobby's phone number? If not, let me know and I will send it to you. Tom, Jacob.
2: I'm um, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the Rolodex right now. I'm just okay. I'm
1: okay. I'm sending it to you right now. We're I gonna know. get Bobby Marks. We're gonna get Bobby Marks on because again, there's just so much. Um, so much being reported, guys, and I just sent it to you. If you could get him on the line, that's great. I just want I I want to ma- I want to make sure we're all in the know here, you know. Because uh, again, a lot of it was a sign and trade, an opt in and trade deal, you know. Is is he opting in and and is he going to be here with the Nets? You know, is he going to opt in and 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 be a good soldier this year with the Nets? What does this mean for Katie? Is this going to be? You know, is it going to give? Are they going to give it one more college try with Kyrie and Katie, and of course Ben Simmons, hoping and expecting him to be healthy? You know, what 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 exactly does this mean? Can he opt in, but still be traded? You know, the the, what we talked about, at least what I talked about on my shows over the weekend, was you know the two sides on on different spectrums. Kyrie wants the long term deal. The Nets front office and the Nets ownership. Uh, they uh, they they do not want to offer him a long term deal, so uh, you know do they do they meet somewhere in the middle? Do they come to some type of compromise? You know that's really that's really the big question mark, gentlemen. Let me know when you have uh, Bobby on. I appreciate it. So um, so again, uh, you know this is this is the breaking news, and, and it literally just came down about fifteen minutes ago so uh even though the last 24 hours we were hearing that uh Kyrie requesting permission permission to search for a potential sign and trade or opt-in and trade deal chances are and, and me just reading the tea leaves uh, until we do get bobby on uh, you know uh, i'm hearing mab said no Cavs said no 76ers i highly doubt it uh and and for him to go to the lakers it would have had to have been an opt-out and sign in the lakers somewhere around six million dollars It's a lot of money that he would be leaving on the table um, if he was to leave the Nets. So, um, so uh, you know, I, I guess reading the tea leaves, you know, money is uh, just quite a bit of money that was at stake here for Kyrie. But what does this mean? Does this mean he's opting in and he's going to stay and him and Ben Simmons and, um, and KD are going to make it work this year, give it one one last college try to see what they can do in the East? Course, a lot of competition in the East. We saw how great Boston was. Unfortunately, they lost to Boston early on in the in the postseason. Um, but obviously that was without Ben Simmons, who of course they traded the 76ers for uh in exchange for for Harden. Gentlemen, do we have Bobby Marks on? Fantastic. Bobby, welcome in. Appreciate you. How you doing this Nina? evening? Hi, appreciate your going? time. I know, I mean, it's just like, I just feel like every five minutes the news is changing. So I so appreciate you joining us here on 98.70 SPN. So the latest, what we know, what we've heard right now is that Kyrie is going to opt in. What exactly does that mean?
3: Well, I mean, I think it, I, I wouldn't be surprised, I wasn't surprised by it. I mean, he basically did not have any, did not have another home out there to, to fall to, right? Like there was no, Thirty-six million dollar team who had thirty-six million dollars in cap space, waiting to go out and sign sign him outright, and there was no market for him from a trade standpoint. And Brooklyn was not willing to take back Russell Westbrook in a deal, so not surprising here. So he go, he comes back on this one-year contract that's thirty-six and a half million. Um, he's still eligible. Brooklyn could still work out a contract from you know now until um, you know June thirtieth of next year. And, um, or he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So, you know, I think it's, it's probably for Brooklyn at least, it's a win because they do not have to deal with him maybe going to the Lakers for, let's say, six million dollars. And then you got to figure out what happens with Durant here. But, um, eventually you're going to have, you know, I think for now it puts a temporary band aid on things, but eventually you're going to have to figure out what's, you know, what's going to be the best interest for, for everyone moving forward, um, especially with him. Having the ability to become a free agent next off season,
1: you know, Bobby, this is a huge swing because you know, in, in me following all the news this afternoon was, you know, Kyrie potentially leaving. What does that mean for KD? Uh, is he going to demand a trade? Uh, does you know, do the Nets push the reset button? Of course, we don't know what the deal is with Ben Simmons, right, and his health and, and, and what our realistic expectations are for him to come back next season. And now we're sitting here and we're looking at the big three returning yet again in the last 15 to 20 minutes. Um, so with that being said, like, like is that what you envision now? Or do you still feel that, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, uh, the Nets and, and Kyrie can't come to some type of agreement where he's happy with a lengthy extension and and more money that the nets could offer could they still trade him this season like like
3: yeah you I know, mean, are you I mean like, hey on paper right I mean this team with Simmons you know who knows where he is health-wise but it, on, on paper when they're all right and they're on the court it's a dangerous team in the Eastern Conference let's face it right so I think the big question will be is, is everyone going to kind of put their feelings aside and figure out what's the best interest of the organization. Um, you know, certainly as far as with, with Kyrie, I think, you know, the, his, the, the ability of, you know, not being available the last three years um, has hurt both sides in this case, you know, and, and we, everyone would love to have a long-term commitment with Irving and, and him in the Nets uniform for the next four years, like Durant here. But, the reality is that if you're ownership, you're looking at it like, how can I commit another four years or three years and know that this player is going to be available for 60 or 65 games? So I just think in the short ter- term, it's it's a win for Brooklyn. Uh, it's a win for Irving because he at least is guaranteed to, you know, get this, you know, $36.5 million salary. So,
1: so – Based on on all you know and, and all your reporting and everything, you having your finger on the pulse of everything, you feel pretty confident that this is going to be an intact Big Three heading into next season, and, and then some big question I would, marks moving forward.
3: Uh, yeah, I think for for right now, I think as I said, there's kind of a Band-Aid on it. I would be I'd be surprised if this is not you know the three guys that you see entering uh, you know going into. Um, you know, going into training camp here, unless of course somebody comes along and offers something that Brooklyn can't refuse with uh, with Irving, and then of course that triggers the whole Durant factor in. So, I I mean that's what the expectation was. I just thought like, you know, that how much Brooklyn had given up in the last three years, and on as I said on paper, what this team potentially could be. You know, we're we where, was everyone willing to just kind of throw it out the window here and. You know, for for at least now, um, it looks, you know, for at least least this year, that they'll have an opportunity to see what this this team looks like.
1: Um, Before I let you go, last question for you. What else do you see this Nets team doing um, in free agency in, in regard to role players? Yeah.
3: Well, it's going to be interesting. You know, Patty Mills has got a player option um, on uh, up until uh, Wednesday to, to decide to opt in. That that's going to be a big thing, and I think he's probably was looking at the situation like, wait a minute, I'm not opting in right now if if this thing is going to blow up. So that's going to be the interesting thing. I think I think the big thing Anita is how much is, is Joe side, their owner, willing to spend. You know, they they're limited in, in, in resources outside of bringing back Bruce Brown and Nick Claxton, they've got a bunch of trade exceptions that they can go out and, and acquire players that are currently under contract. And it, they've already got a, a pretty hefty luxury tax bill. So I think the big thing is, is that, you know, is ownership willing to spend um, with so much, you know, uncertainty kind of uh, up in the air.
1: I would imagine they've got to be looking at this like, uh, you know, this is, this is, this is our last chance. This is our last go at it. Um let's you know push you know all your chips in the middle of the table let's go uh, i at least that that's what my perception is we'll, we'll see what happens uh, bobby i so appreciate your time i know how busy you are tonight you're doing a phenomenal job all over uh, espn so thank you so much for joining us on 90.7 espn thank you
3: thanks anita you're
1: welcome thanks you got it you got it bobby marks former executive uh, of the nets joining us here on 90.7 espn
0: you're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Dan Graziano, who does a phenomenal job uh, covering the NFL, joins us now on 98.7 ESPN. Dan, it's been a minute. How you doing, my friend?
0: I'm good, Anita. How are you?
1: I'm great. I'm great. Um, I'm let's, let's dive right into it. Um, it I'm, I'm assuming this is taking place here in New York tomorrow, correct?
0: You know, it's funny. That's the one bit of information But everybody I talked to today just didn't want to give me. I'm assuming the same thing, but they don't want, I guess they don't want to disclose the location because they don't want like a whole bunch of cameras and reporters standing outside. So uh, they're trying to keep that secret. And as of now, I don't know.
1: Uh, Everything that I'm hearing is that the NFL wants to come down with a suspension, very similar to, you know, Ray Rice and and Michael Vick um, based on their investigation. Are you hearing the same thing?
0: My understanding is that the NFL is going to recommend a suspension of uh, of at least a year. And I think um, I think the they, they had talks with Watson's side about settling, right as they often do in these cases. That's not unusual. Um, but I think you know my understanding is that the they couldn't get the league to come off of that as a bare minimum uh, one year, and Watson ultimately decided, he'd rather take his chances with arbitration. So that's why it'll go to a hearing. It doesn't mean that they can't resurrect settlement talks, but it sounds like both sides are pretty well convinced that, uh, that they're not going to get to one. So, um, yeah, I think that's, what the, it sounds like that's what the NFL is going to recommend or, you know, the wall street Journal report that it would be an indefinite suspension that he could, he could apply for reinstatement after a year. Um, you know, that that's obviously in the works as well, but uh, Right. Obviously, what will happen is Watson's side and the NFLPA will try to argue that that's too much.
1: So, so walk us through the process. Let's just say, hypothetically speaking, uh, you know the NFL does say a, a minimum a year, and 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 that's that's what he receives. Then there's an appeal process, right? Like, yeah. How, and, and I'm sure whatever whatever comes down, I, I want to assume that he's going to appeal, right? So, how do, how does that work?
0: Yeah, well, the appeal process is, is actually kind of. Similar to what it used to be in the old CBA, this, this process with the discipline officer with Sue Robinson jointly appointed by the NFL and the NFLPA—that's that's new in the CBA that was signed two years ago. To what Darlington was just saying there, as you're coming out of break, um, so that the appeal would be to Roger Goodell or someone he designates as a, as an appeal officer. So um, it would be, I guess, pretty unlikely that uh, that an appeal by Watson would have success. Considering that, but um, I guess you never know. And my understanding is Goodell has kind of been hands-off in this process, let the league investigators sort through all their stuff. And maybe he does have a different opinion, though, again, seems unlikely.
1: Time-wise, what are we looking at here? Because you, you, yeah. I, I, right, I don't know about you, but I feel like the minute we have Father's Day, I, I just, it's like in a blink of an eye, boom, it's regular season game one. Like the next, yeah. the next month or so is, is, is going to fly by. So, so, so give, us, give us an idea of the timeline here of what we can expect all this happening.
0: I mean, that's the thing. And, and again, to the point Jeff was just making in that clip you played, you know, the, neither side knows because they haven't been through this. Now, I'll tell you this she the the this one officer Sue Robinson the retired district judge she has already received materials from both sides and reviewed them she's she's conducted some pre trial briefings tomorrow is not going to be the first time that she gets uh evidence put in front of her so some of the work has been done and it's conceivable that she could you know hear everything tomorrow and issue a ruling i don't think anyone expects that but It seems like both sides want this done and taken care of before training camp, about a month away now. So the hope is that she doesn't need more than that long uh, to sort through all this. But again, both sides, the league and the PA, you know, Watson's side are flying blind on this because it's it's a brand new process.
1: Um, Again, Dan Graziano joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Another thing I read is that part of the appeal um, you know, if, if the Watson camp does decide to do that is, you know, using Robert Kraft, Dan Snyder and Jerry Jones yeah. as examples, right? Like, you know, they had alleged sexual misconduct, what they didn't, they weren't forced to sell their team. There wasn't. So he, apparently right. the appeal, pro, their appeal process is, 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 uh, in incorporating those owners.
0: Not the appeal process. The 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 arguments tomorrow in front of the discipline officer. So, that that's that's what the NFL. So he has the defense attorney Rusty Harden, and that, that makes me chuckle because I remember covering baseball and Rusty Harden represented Roger Clemens, and it feels like a million years ago. Uh, but uh, but Rusty is um, still uh, still doing it. But um, so they'll that his defense team that has been arguing, you know, the civil cases will argue the you know, the sort of facts of the case, right? Like uh, this accusation doesn't hold water because X, Y, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that my point is that's what the defense will argue, Right. And then the players association will argue this punishment that the league is proposing is harsh. And one of the reasons is owners aren't held to the same standard as players under the personal conduct policy. Look at Daniel Snyder, right? Look at, you know, Jerry Jones uh, and what happened there with the, you know, with Rich Dalrymple, with the the PR officer that was forced to resign or resign because of misconduct involving cheerleaders. You know, look at Robert Kraft and what he. So I think that's going to be the argument in front of. I, I think I know that that's going to be the argument the Players Association makes in front of the discipline officer tomorrow. Uh, and that's you know I, I think that's important because they've made that argument to Roger Goodell and, and it hasn't flown. So this is a new set of ears, and I think their hope is that that argument will make some sense to her and and maybe he'll get some, uh, some of the suspension reduced as a result.
1: Um, Okay. So, so that's all that we can, that's all that we can anticipate tomorrow. Now let's talk about the Cleveland Browns, right? They gave up the world uh, to, to to go get Deshaun Watson and they paid him uh, handsomely as well. What happens if Deshaun Watson is suspended for a year? Let's just say hypothetically speaking, what happens with the Cleveland Browns, Dan?
0: Well, um, they're going to need a quarterback. And it's the guy that's been playing quarterback for them the last couple of years, Baker Mayfield. He and the team are on the outside. There doesn't seem to be any thought from either side that that relationship could be salvaged. Now, if Watson's suspended for a year, did the Browns go to Baker and say, hey, you know, let's work something out where you're our guy for a year. You get to audition for every other team. You know that we have Deshaun coming in to replace you. Uh, but, you know, let's let's make the best of a bad situation. Yeah, that could have happen. Hasn't happened yet, and I don't get the sense that that's what the Browns want to do, but uh, don't rule it out. And right now they have Jacoby Brissett, who they anticipated could play a few games if Deshaun Watson was suspended for a few games. Um, I don't think they were considering the possibility it would be the entire season. Now, if he is suspended the entire season, they'd probably look around, right? They'd probably get interested in Jimmy Garoppolo once he's able to start throwing. Um, and and whoever else might come loose during training camp. But yeah, I think, you know, like the Niners are hoping someone's situation changes dramatically so they can get a trade market going for Garoppolo. And, you know, it's possible that a year long suspension for Deshaun Watson would change that in terms of how interested the Browns are. So that would be one to watch for sure.
1: Do you think what, what, what's, what is more likely Baker Mayfield eating a piece of humble pie and realizing hey I have a stage here that I could come in and perform yeah. for for my next deal down the road this is this is an opportunity for me or you know the the browns eating humble pie and saying uh oh, all right let's let's offer him something to come back for the year <laughs>
0: i guess probably the browns they they're going to be the ones uh, if this shakes out the way we anticipate in the more dire situation right they're, they're going to need a quarterback and they have a roster full of guys that, you know, that looks ready to win now. And I don't know that they can afford to just sort of entrust a full season to Jacoby Brissett. So it may be that it comes from their end, and it may happen. It may work. I've just been told by multiple people close to the situation not to count on it.
1: Again, Dan Graziano joining us. Before I let you go, one last thing, and that is this lawsuit against the Texans now. Um, by yeah. the same attorney who's, who who's representing the the twenty four women uh, in the civil suit and, uh, and and this is a lawsuit against the the Texans for enabling watson 's behavior uh, and, and I did a deep dive today in, into what what is being reported here, apparently complaints from the general manager at the hotel uh, the Houstonian where the Texans provided uh, watson uh, Um, a hotel room and spa membership, as well as the ownership of a massage company complaining to the Texans. They offered him and and guided him in regard to a non-disclosure agreement. They gave him a massage table from the team to utilize. They helped remove social media posts uh, that covered up what he was doing. I mean, it looks really bad for the Texans. Do you see anything developing here, Dan?
0: Well, sure. I mean, look, I can't sit here and forecast how a lawsuit is going to go. I mean, what you're delineating is the accusations made against the Texans. The Texans obviously are going to push back and deny what they can, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. But I'll say this. It's going to come up in the union's argument tomorrow, right? Like they're going to say that that's another thing they're going to use, right? Hey, look, look at these accusations. It looks like the Texans didn't think this was all a big deal. So. Why aren't we holding them responsible? Why isn't someone with the Texans being suspended for the year? You know, so that that's the kind of thing that will come up. Uh, in terms of how the lawsuit against the Texans will progress, yeah, I, I mean, that's anybody's guess because the legal process is what it is, and, and we don't really know uh, always how these things are going to work out. But it's certainly a bad situation. And to the extent that an NFL team was responsible for uh, enabling Deshaun Watson's behavior, if that's the case, and if he's guilty of what he's accused of and they're guilty of enabling it, that's a big problem for for that team and for the league because, you know, it, it can be very easy for the league to hold players responsible and, and to punish them, but they haven't been quite, quite uh, as diligent about punishing their own. So uh, obviously that would be something that they would be, everyone would be watching closely to see what happens.
1: This is going to be fascinating, uh, and I'm I'm sure you'll be all over it. Uh, Dan, I so appreciate your time this evening. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate you, and uh, it's going to be an interesting week. We'll be watching you all over ESPN. Thanks, Anita. You got it. You got it. Dan Graziano joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, We come back. I'll share some more details uh, in regard to what you can expect tomorrow and, of course, this week. This is going to be, I'm sure, uh, the lead story um and um with so much domino effect and, and so many implications here uh across the board, not just with the Cleveland Browns but uh, across the NFL for sure so if you're just tuning in, uh, it was a crazy day in the in in the n b a and, and I have a feeling it's just going to be a crazy summer. Uh, No less. And we're going to get into some Knicks talk in in just a second, but just to bring you up to speed. So uh, in the last 24 hours, what has been reported? Kyrie was given. Well, let's let's even let's go back. Let's go back to draft night where Kyrie stole the spotlight or tried to steal the spotlight off of the young. Uh, the young guys trying to, you know, starting their new lives, uh, getting drafted, and Kyrie puts out his list of six teams he'd rather play for than the Nets because he wants a long-term deal, the Nets ownership, and of course the front office in agreement, no long-term deal. Why would you? Dude wouldn't get vaxxed, missed over 30 home games last season, has been injury-prone, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Okay? Uh, Even go back to Boston and Cleveland and Dude's just a complete headache. So no, you know what? We're not going to invest in you. We're not going to give you a lengthy deal. We're not going to extend up. We're not going to do it. Okay, so here are the six teams I want to go to. Then um, earlier today uh, or or maybe late last night, the, Knicks, or the Nets gave Kyrie permission to search for a potential sign-in trade or opt-in trade deal. Mavs said, no, thank you. Clippers said, nope. 76ers, awkward with Harden there. Nope, not going to work. Can't bring your incense here in this locker room, son. Sorry, no. And uh, really everything I I, I was hearing in, in the last six to eight hours was, possibly the heat more likely the lakers kyrie wants to go to the lakers he wants to reunite with lebron james surprising to me because he couldn't wait to get the hell out of dodge with lebron in cleveland but in order to do that he needed to opt, opt out leaving the 36 plus million dollars on the table and then the lakers would have only been able i say only been able to sign him for 6 million dollars <laughs> You're going to leave 30 plus million dollars on the table to go play for LeBron James and the Lakers? No. Um so so that didn't happen. So uh, was it was it a bluff by Kyrie? Did he think that his worth would be more out there in the NBA? Did he think that there would be takers out there in the NBA? Did he think that there'd be teams that would offer something uh, more enticing to the Nets in regard to a trade? Didn't happen. So, and as we just heard in the rejoiner, in the update, that, um, that he had told the Athletic first, and of course Woj is confirming it, that uh, and we had Bobby Marks on the show earlier when we first started at 7 p.m., and that is he is opting in, which means that he is accepting his 2022-2023 uh, his 20, salary of $36 plus million plus so he's going to be back for one year. Now him and the the Nets have until June 30th of 2023 to work out a new deal. Okay, he is vaxxed now. That's that's a positive. He'll be able to play. I'm playing. I'm paying a dude almost 40 million dollars. You better be available for home games. I mean, I mean, come on. Um, if they don't work out a new deal, uh, he could become an unref- unrestricted free agent in 2023. So what does this mean? Nets are back in business. Okay, with Katie, Kyrie, and then really the big question mark is Ben Simmons. Right? Now, now what? Does he come in? How's the back? Is he going to be healthy? How many games can he play? How can he? You know, we know what a great defensive player he is, what a great defensive asset he is offensively. Not so much, but you know, what are your, what what are the realistic expectations for Ben Simmons this coming season? How will these three gel? How will they mix? I'm not too optimistic. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. What say you, uh, Nets fans? Uh, but also producing the show, we have Tom and Jacob, gentlemen. I- I'm curious. I-, I know we haven't heard from you uh, since we started the show, but but curious to get your thoughts. I know it's been a wild, wild roller coaster ride uh, the last twenty four to forty eight hours pertaining to the Nets and Kyrie. But what are your thoughts in regard to him opting in and it looking like? This big three is going to be back in Brooklyn next year.
2: So I'm not going to call it a big three necessarily yet because we don't know the level that Ben Simmons is going to play when he returns. That being said, I guess you could call it a big three considering his stardom in the NBA. But, I mean, I think this is best for both teams. And that's why I want to hear from the callers if they they call in, is that is it going to be the best for both teams at Kyrie and the uh, Nets? are continuing this relationship at least one more year the way I see it Kyrie kind of had no choice but to opt in if the Lakers were the only team that wanted him I mean he wants to go to LA I do feel like um I I do believe those reports but I mean he's got to prove again that he wants to play basketball and that he can stay on the court for more than like 20 games in a season so He's got to get his stock up if he wants to go anywhere, quite frankly. Otherwise, I don't know why anybody would want him on the roster and pay him an exuberant amount of money.
1: Jacob?
4: uh, I'm not—I uh, would have to agree with uh, some of the things Bobby said earlier. Uh, I'm not really surprised that he did opt-in. Um, that was uh, the only play he could make unless he, was, unless he was planning to make less money and do it in less years, which he didn't want, because if that was the case, he would have took— uh, I guess one of the offers from the Nets, which was a shorter deal on like thirty, like thirty-six or thirty-eight million, um, for the Nets. I don't see them keeping. I don't see them keeping him past the whole season. Uh, I would shop him around probably mid-season uh, for Kyrie. I think this is probably going to be another good year for him. So it gives him the option to uh, look on the NBA horizon for a guy who will come, I guess, come to play, have that motivation, won't need to be motivated day in, day out. They'll just have that fire in him. Um, and there's a couple players out there right now that are like that. And one being, uh, even though it might not happen, uh, Damian Lillard, who posted KD. I weekend.
1: saw that. So, I saw that. He he uh, superimposed a photograph of uh, of KD with him next to him. You know, you know, and and, and Jacob, you, 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 really, you bring up a good point here and and a good question. And that is like, where's the fire? Where's the drive? Where's the desire, right? Like Kyrie already won a championship in in Cleveland with, with LeBron, right? Like, you know, and, and then, and then he left because he wanted to, he wanted to be the man somewhere else, but you know, it, it, you know, does, does he have the makeup to be the guy somewhere else? Right? Because it didn't work out in Boston, which is is mind boggling to me. I mean, look at that Boston team, of course, with tatum and, and and brown and and that that supporting cast. I expect them to be back in business next year and and obviously, as of right now it's not working here with in New Jersey with the nets, and so you, you, what's what's the common denominator? The common denominator is Kyrie, right I mean just from uh, you know, having issues with 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 the coaches. You know, really lack of self awareness with his teammates. Um, you know, not buying into a game plan. You know, doesn't play off the ball. Needs to, needs to have the ball. Needs to have the handle in order to really uh, contribute to a team. But you know, like this is the cost of doing business. Um, when when you want Kyrie, and without bringing Kyrie here chances are the the nets would have not have had KD. So you know that this is what this is what you have to buy into. But at the end of the day is it worth it? And you know, I I know for I I feel like the NBA is is going through something right now because for a long time it was all about the the big names and creating the super teams. Right? And you know, I can sit here and tell you that, you know, a lot of people feel it began in Boston. Um, I, I think I think it, it really it reared or or it elevated to uh, to, to me. Um, and, and being born and raised in Miami, loving the Miami Heat, but like did did not really like the way that LeBron and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade um, maneuvered and, and operated how that went down. And the, the, the pep rally, not one, not two, not three, the, the way that LeBron announced that he was leaving Cleveland, like the whole thing was just ugly to me. But, but obviously that had success because they won. But is it really working now? Is that, as I, I call it, gaming the system. Okay, that's what I call it. I call it gaming the system. Is that really working right now in the NBA? Because it's, it's not working here with the Nets. Even though Kyrie now is opting back in, or he's opting in, he's going to get his money, and you know the, the expectation is the big three are back. It's not working in, in, in L.A. with the Lakers. LeBron wanted Westbrook. How'd that work out for you, buddy? <laughs> no, no bueno. Didn't even make it to the postseason. It's not working for the Clippers. A lot of it has to do with health issues, but nonetheless. So what are the biggest issues when it comes to that kind of chasing the big names and creating the the super teams. You know, you, you, when you get those big names, big names have big egos. And I think it's really hard for somebody, you know, players who have big egos to really adapt and embrace a team culture because it's all about them. Like, so for example, when LeBron James went to Miami to play for the Miami heat, sorry, buddy, nobody's got a bigger, bigger ego than Pat Riley. Okay, it's Pat. That's Pat Riley's palace. Like LeBron's entourage was not allowed to park underneath the triple A arena. He was upset by that. What do you mean my entourage can't park in in the heat parking space? Well, your entourage doesn't work for the organization, dude. So, no, they're going to have to find parking elsewhere. Like that didn't sit well with LeBron. So, you know, it's it's. You bring in these big names. They've got big egos. They don't want to adapt or, or adopt the, the team culture. So there's issues there. And then also what happens? Lack of depth. Because you're spending all... You're spending... Like the Lakers, you're spending so much money on LeBron. You're spending so much money on Anthony Davis. We just sat here saying, like, the only team that was even interested in Kyrie was the Lakers, and all they could pay him was $6 million. Why? because you've got so much money, you know, wrapped up in Westbrook and and LeBron and and AD. And the, the supporting cast, the depth isn't there. It isn't there to win. So that formula is in in my opinion is not the way to go any longer. You know, look at look at look at some of the other teams in around the NBA that are having success, right? The Suns. Now, yeah, Chris Paul went there, but he joined a team of really a strong team that drafted well with a lot of young youth that has embraced that culture. And, and, and Chris Paul was that piece that you brought in to help that veteran leader, to help mold that young crew. And boy, has that worked out beautifully for them. Memphis, all homegrown, baby. Morant, all homegrown. The Bucks. Bucks got Giannis when he was a, a baby. I don't even, I think he was like, I don't even, like, I don't even he, he had facial hair at that point. Like, you, you, don't, you don't have to, he is the culture. He doesn't have to adopt anything. He is the culture. And they've done well as well um, in regard to the draft and, and adding the pieces that, that have been needed to build around him the Celtics same thing have done a great job have done a great job drafting and keeping talent getting 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 talent out like Kyrie right making that fit and probably you know there's no team better than the Warriors and and again a team that not only is drafted extremely well continues Look at what Poole was able to do in this postseason. Look at look at what Wiggins was able to do this this postseason. It's just, and uh, you know, there were there were players as well that the Warriors have drafted that were injured that couldn't play, that definitely would have been a big asset and and would have done, would have even helped the Warriors even more so in the postseason. Like, you know, it's 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 not about chasing the big names and creating the super teams anymore. It's not working. It's not working like it used to.
0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Without further ado, let's bring in Rich Cutino. Does a phenomenal job covering the Mets each and every year. Rich, how you doing?
5: Good, good. I, um, I don't know if you know Anita, but I, I, uh, a little down on the weather. I had a triple heart bypass surgery, and um, but still following the Mets and Really on my way to recovery, taking my stern walks every day and listening to the doctors. But I was a little scary, but I think I could see the light at the end of the tunnel now.
1: Well, God bless. And, and we're thrilled to have you on. I know you got your finger on the pulse of this team better than most. So thank you so much for joining us this evening. Um, we just heard uh, just Rogers talking about Scherzer. A uh, number of us were anticipating him to be back on Sunday, but that's not the, that's not the case, of course, dealing with the, the, uh, the, the oblique injury. Uh, what's the latest? When can we expect Scherzer back in this rotation?
5: Well, I think he's going to have one more minor league rehab, and that's yet to be determined what day that's going to be. But I, I, I really think when the Mets look at their schedule between now and the All-Star break, what they would love to do is be able to pinch your Scherzer into one of those games when they play the Braves in Atlanta. So that's the week right before the all-star break. The Mets have a road trip where they go to Atlanta and then they go to Wrigley Field for four games. So I have a feeling, but it's all on how he feels and how he not only how he pitches in his rehab store, but how he feels a day or two after. So I think the Mets are going to use extreme caution I do think we'll see him before the All-Star break, but if there's any kind of doubt in it, they're going to hold him back till after the break, and that's around the time I have a feeling Jacob DeGrom will be finishing up his rehab starts, and I think DeGrom will be back probably a week or two after the All-Star break. Maybe August 1st is a, is a good target date for Jacob DeGrom.
1: And just to give the uh, the listeners some dates out there, so July 11th uh, through the 13th, they're in Atlanta, and then July 14th through the 17th, they are in Chicago, and then, of course, the All-Star break comes, and then... Bum 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 bum. The games we're all looking forward to, and that is the Subway <laughs> Series.
2: <laughs> yeah. um,
1: that takes place right. Like like to me, like I can't can't wait. I just I can't even imagine how much those tickets are going to go for. Um, you know, and, and then that's July 26th and 27th. Uh, the Yankees come to City Field. And then, of course, um, you've got August 22nd and 23rd. The Mets then go to the Bronx and take on the Yankees. So uh, so there will be four games. But, of course, they won't see the Yankees until after the All-Star break.
5: And how great would it be, Anita, if in those two games we see Scherzer and DeGrom against Cole mm. and Nestor Cortez? That would be... Um, that would be great, and that's going to have a playoff feel to it, I'm sure. Um, and and I think you can make the argument that this would be probably the most anticipation a Subway Series has had since maybe the whole Piazza Clemens thing was going on for two or three years. And I think that's the last time I felt that kind of you know drive for it. But you can feel it this year. Look, you can make an argument. Either way, Yankees have a great record. They're off to a great start in the season. They they have all kinds of records, but the Mets have some important number one stats to go by. Number one, their duo of Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor has more RBIs than any duo in sport. Mets have a tremendous record on the road, and they have the best record in their own division of any team in baseball. So, I know the Yankees have the sterling record and the Aaron Judge thing and all kinds of stuff going on, but nobody has more eyes in this sport than Pete Alonso, and the Mets have done all of this—best record in the National League—without Jacob Degrom throwing one inning yet this year, which I think is beyond amazing, Anita.
1: It, it really is, and and I could just again, I I could just totally envision. Uh, that subway series, those two games, it being Scherzer and Degrom, expecting them both back at that point in time, and and I say it time and time again, is this really? It's, it's unbelievable what we've seen the Mets being being able to do without uh, without both their uh, their their aces, um, of course, uh, but now McGill apparently is going to be on the shelf until mid August, and so he's dealing with a shoulder issue. Curious, to get your thoughts there as well as. How active and attractive do you expect this team to be as we get closer to the trade deadline, which is the beginning of August?
5: Well, I think with the new owner, they're going to be very, very attentive to the trading deadline. I think the Mets, you know, aside from adding starting pitching, they could use a left-hander in the bullpen, and I'm sure they'll be looking out for one. Um, But I do think that the McGill thing is a little curious because he came back and went right back on the injured list. So that's something you have to watch. And really when you think about it, the Mets have gotten through all of this lack of Scherzer and lack of DeGrom with McGill early in the season. But for the most part, the last month or so since Scherzer's been hurt, it's been Taiwan Walker who's pitched really well. It's been Carrasco who's pitched really well. And it's obviously been, you know, Bassett, the acquisition from the A's that's pitched really well. And when you think about it, if the Mets ever got into a playoff situation in October, not only would they have, hopefully, a DeGrom and Scherzer at the top of the rotation, but their Game 3 starter would be Bassett, and their Game 4 starter would be Taiwan Walker, and they'd probably put Carrasco and David Peterson in the bullpen. And that makes the Mets a tough team to beat, and I'm even throwing out all the other things that the Mets do well. The two-out hitting that they do, the hitting with runners in scoring position, and those are all, like, total total 180s from what they were doing last year. And I think it's because they brought in guys like Mark Canna and Sterling Marte, who, quite frankly, they're just plumb baseball players. And, you know, and they, they come to the park every day. They're prepared. They do their homework. And they've had a tremendous amount of impact on some of the younger Mets, including a guy like Luis Guillerme, who – I think is one of the best defensive second basemen in the sport and works really hard at getting his at-bats in and being ready. And he's been ready when he's been put in the lineup. And I give a lot of credit to Buck Schultz for that, as well as the veteran players, the Mets had in the offseason, who Eduardo Escobar and Canna and Marte are great role models for these young players to, to see. And I think it's had a big impact on this ball club.
1: Yeah, listen, you know, and and you mentioned uh, Buck, and, and and I don't, you know, I, I know he he gets he does get a lot he does get credit. I don't think he gets enough credit. Like like I love what well, I love what we've seen from Buck Showalter. I liked a lot of the decisions that he's made, um, managing this team and some of the calls that he's made. I I, I think he's a huge part of the success this season. Um, I thought. Let me ask you this: thoughts on Pete Alonso participating in the home run derby?
5: I think he's going. I don't. To. I don't want. Um, I don't.
1: I don't want to see him do it. I don't want to see him do it.
5: I I, I I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I don't think he's going to not go there. And but I do think that preparing for something like that could affect your swing. Although it really didn't affect his swing either year that he did it in. You know, and you know he's got 22 home runs. He's in, a, he's in a realm of, of a 40-plus homer season. He's in a realm to break every RBI record that the club has ever had. He's going to break Strawberry's RBI record. Um, in fact, the Mets might ha- end up having two 100-RBI guys, Wendor well, and, and Alonzo, when the season's over. But I can understand that if he doesn't go, and I can understand that if he goes. But I understand what you're saying. You don't want anything affecting this swing. And the swing's different, Anita, than it was in the last two years for him. He uses the whole field now more than ever. He's gotten a lot of RBIs by going to right center against the shift. He's done a lot of things that I haven't seen him do in the last two years. So I understand what you're saying because his swing is much more developed now and he uses the whole field much more than he did in his first couple of years. So you don't want anything affecting that. So if he doesn't go, I understand it, but I have a feeling he's going to go because no one's ever won this thing three years in a row, and he'd be the odds-on favorite to win it a third year in a row.
1: Oh my gosh! Even Rich. if Aaron
5: Judge decides to show up,
1: I, I hear you. I hear you. I just I don't know. Big bigger, bigger prize for me is is winning a World Series, and and man, this this Mets team. Uh, this is, this is the year. This is the year. I, I don't know. Um, winning, I, maybe that's a show question. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. 919 If you're Pete Alonso, uh, is it, is it winning the home run derby three years in a row? Um, or is it, uh, preserving that swing and not taking any chances or any opportunity that you're going to screw it up, uh, to help this team advance and, and possibly win a world series? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, well, maybe that's the show question for the next 30 minutes. Yeah.
5: Well, if you ask Pete Alonso that question, I think the answer to him would be: given a choice, he'd rather win the World Series than win a third straight. He loves being here in New York. He he loves the Met fans, and he knows what a trip of Canyons of Heroes would do, being as though no baseball team in this town has done that since 2009, and he knows what it would mean to resting the city from the Yankees. So. And he knows how important that is to Met fans. So if you can ask Pete the question, I'm sure he'd say, I'll pass on it. Give me that world championship and let me get in that, uh, that trip up Canyons Heroes.
1: I'll leave, this, I'll leave you with this, Rich. Do you know that the probability right now, the FPI, the Brainiacs up in Bristol, blah, 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 the, 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 F, the probability of the Mets and the Yankees in the World Series is the highest probability of any matchup right now? Are you aware of that?
5: I wasn't aware of that. It's interesting, but I'll tell Yankee Nation something that they may not want to hear. First of all, and I, I, I do this with the Mets fans on Twitter all the time because they give them ammunition and say, the last New York team to be in, get to a World Series was the Mets, not the Yankees, and a lot of people forget that. But I think the Yankees, to play the Mets again in the World Series like they did in 2000, it's the same drill. All their poker chips get put in the middle of the table. And it's a chance for the Mets as an organization to wrest a city from them, and let me just throw this little one out there too. How might you think that might affect where Aaron Judge might want to play next year? It's an interesting uh, question
1: yeah, it, it is I don't know, I don't know that that. That could be that could be a, a difficult pill to swallow, I think, for Yankee fans, um, for him to 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 jump from the Bronx, the, the Bronx to Queens. That's for sure. Uh, Rich, so good to have you on. I'm glad you're feeling better. God bless. And uh, and uh, we'll, we'll have you on again soon. Thank you, my friend.
5: Sounds great. Anita. either your family to me, you know that and stay well and we'll talk soon.
1: You got it. You got it. Rich Catino joining us here at 98.7 ESPN. i not sure if, if, if folks are aware of that the uh, the brain I, I like to call them the brainiacs up in Bristol the smartest uh, folks that uh, that ESPN hires who crunches the numbers and uh, and and has you know all that in- analytics um, stuff that, that they deal with the the highest probability of a, of a World Series matchup right now today is the Mets and the Yankees can you imagine
4: This is click, 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 or don't. click. click pull, pull, pull. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not?
1: All right, it's time for Click or Don't Click at 9.16 p.m. on this Monday night. A fun way, we take our tour around our wide, wide world of sport and we find out what is trending based on, uh, of course, the headlines and our producers lead the way. So we've got Tom and Jacob. Gentlemen, what you got?
2: All right, starting off over in L.A. If you were paying attention to the Sports Center at the top of the hour, if you were tuned in at that point, you may have heard an update to the brawl that occurred yesterday between the Angels and the Mariners. Uh, The MLB handed down a ton of suspensions. The biggest, of course, went to Phil Nevin, the um, serving manager for the Angels. He got a 10-game suspension. If you would like to hear about the rest of those suspensions, go check out Jeff Passan on Twitter. He breaks down who got suspension, how many games. But there's two stories that I want to bring up that happened because of this game. So one of them has to do with a 7-year-old Cincinnati Reds fan named Abigail Courtney. Now, she had an incident last year where she went to a Reds game in San Diego, and her favorite player of all time, Joey Votto, was ejected, and she was very upset, and she got the chance to meet Joey Votto. Um, Well... Former Red, Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez were um, two of her favorite players from the Reds, and they just so happen to be on the Mariners now. And Winker was the one who uh, may or may not have caused the benches to empty yesterday, and he and Suarez were ejected. So kind of double trouble for poor seven-year-old Abigail when she went to the game again and to see two of her former favorite players um, ejected. But... Jesse and the Mariners gave her a signed autographed baseball and a big glass of chocolate milk, um, which was very nice of the organization to do, um, to give her that in wake of them being ejected. Also, the funnier story also has to do with Jesse Winker. Somebody named Sophie Dill um, from Arkansas she's from, she found a local pizza place on DoorDash and sent a pizza to Jesse Winker, one pepperoni pizza, to deliver for to deliver to him to cheer him up from getting ejected and the brawl. And apparently the the um it was confirmed that he did receive the pizza. Uh he DM'd uh Sophie back on Twitter um saying thank you for the pizza and yada 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 and the DoorDash driver got a big tip courtesy of Sophie by putting the DoorDash driver's Venmo information up on Twitter and about 300 to 400 Mariners fans supposedly have already contributed to give that DoorDash driver a tip. So, two crazy stories that transpired okay. from the Angels-Mariners uh, brawl
1: yesterday. Okay, so I have questions here. Yes. Um, how did she get his address?
2: So, what she did was she just put in the address for um, Angels Stadium into um, DoorDash and had it delivered there and um, set the delivery to uh, please deliver to the Mariners clubhouse. And somehow, some way, that was allowed. And that got to Jesse that way.
1: Interesting. Okay. Um, and uh, more importantly, who was who the dude who was who throwing uh, sunflower seeds?
2: That was Rysel Iglesias, I believe, the angel's closer who ran out of the dugout. I believe it was after the brawl and everything kind of... Um, calm down a little bit. He took an entire box of sunflower seeds and just chucked it at the middle of the field. Got some really good distance on. He probably threw him at least like 30 feet, and that probably weighed like 10 to 20 pounds, uh, the entire box of sunflower seeds, and he threw it at the Mariners' dugout.
1: He threw the entire box of sunflower seeds.
2: Yes, many, many cases of sunflower seeds, and they all just spilled onto the field because he got angry, and I guess that was a way for him to take out his frustration with the brawl.
1: Wow. Uh, th- that I mean, th- there's a lot. There's a lot there, Tom. <laughs>
2: it's a, it's a lot to unpack.
1: That's a that's a that's a lot to. I don't I don't know I I don't know what's 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 more jaw dropping. Um, Jacob, what you got?
4: All right, Anita. I know you love. Uh, you're a football fanatic. Yes or no? That's a that's an
1: understatement. <laughs>
4: well, I. Uh- <laughs> Well, I'm pretty sure this'll grab your attention. Uh, running backs Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell both signed deals for a boxing exhibition in uh, July.
1: Ooh, okay, yeah. I'm so Adrian Peterson and and who else?
4: Le'Veon Bell.
1: Ooh. So
4: they'll they'll be both participating in this boxing ex- exhibition on July 30th at Crypto.com Arena in LA. Um. Both are uh, competing in the heavyweight division. It is going to be one of the undercards on this uh, YouTube uh, inspired boxing match. Um, Mm -hmm. It's between two. uh, So the main event is between two YouTubers. But Le'Veon Bell and uh, Adrian Peterson are the uh, undercard. And they are one of the highlights along with uh, Nick Young, who's participating in a match.
1: Did you did you hear that uh Conor McGregor and um why am I drawing a blank Floyd no. Mayweather? It d- d- and Floyd Mayweather are are going to are allegedly going to fight again and apparently the payoff for Floyd is nine figures. Listen, did you hear that?
4: I did hear that and <laughs> it's insane to me just participating what you don't even win or lose just participating alone the payout is crazy. So I mean
1: as, Here, here's here's what here's what my question is would you how would you pay and i'm just gonna say 50 dollars $50. would you pay 50 dollars to watch floyd in in mcgregor box again I, like i wouldn't
4: i i wouldn't just because probably by like i mean by like i want to say the third or fourth round in that in their uh first exhibition uh mcgregor was gassed uh it was it was really just floyd uh trying to milk the clock to make things work but uh the excitement around it would be exciting and it's something you can uh definitely tune out for if you wanted to i mean i i would definitely pay maybe 50 but
1: i don't really know. you would you would you would you would pay 50 dollars. i
4: mean for for a guy who's throwing away money throughout the year on a bunch of bets yeah 50 dollars doesn't seem that bad to be watching a boxing match
1: okay I just I, I would not like like th- that's just that's just not appointment television for me and, and it's just I'm blown away that like these dudes have not fought in in what uh, over a year two years and in the payout is going to be nine figures it's just that's it's my it's my mind-blowing to me um you got one more before we get a break
2: Yeah, let's real quickly talk about the Stanley Cup final, which concluded last Mm. night as the Colorado Avalanche took home their third Stanley Cup, um, beating the Tampa Bay Lightning in six games. First off, thank you, Avalanche, for avenging uh, the Rangers. And I guess you could also say the Islanders a bit for the past three seasons and, uh, and winning the Stanley Cup and robbing them of three straight. But that's not important. That's ancient history now. What is important is that mere moments... After they were awarded the Stanley Cup and they had the players on the ice holding the Stanley Cup, I'm not sure who. Or actually, I do see right here, Nicholas Obkubel of the of the uh, Colorado Avalanche. He dropped the Stanley Cup trophy while standing while skating toward his teammates first celebratory photo. They all mocked him and they dented the Stanley Cup probably within no. probably within like five minutes of having it. I don't know the exact time. But uh, it's probably got to be a record, I would say, that they already Stop. dented the bottom of the Stanley Cup.
1: <laughs> Are you serious? I, I mean, like, like aren't you supposed to like handle that thing with like white gloves?
2: Well, you're supposed to handle it with a lot of grace and all that, but it's probably a bad idea to give the- to-, to give it to them after they're so hyped up, they got all this energy and they're about to take a photo and like get on the knee and take the photo. So it's probably a bad idea to do that while on the ice. Um, I believe whoever presents the Stanley Cup to the team does have to wear the white gloves and treat it with grace. But once it gets into players' hands, anything is possible, I guess.
4: I don't. I'm just gonna be honest with you guys. If I was to ever same, like, celebrate a championship, like celebration, I think I would be like Clay Thompson was for the Warriors celebration—just all <laughs> over the place, dancing, you know, falling, knocking into fans. That's the type of guy I would want to be at a celebration. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're listening to Anita Marks. On 98.7 ESPN.